0: How you guys doing today? That's one of the best ones we've had in a while, I'm really excited. Uh, sun's out, sun's out, guns out, no, yeah, you knew where I was coming. Sun's out, um, I, I mention this every year, just because I like to say it, I think I have SAD, Seasonal Affective Something Disorder. Uh, <laughs> what is it? What's the second one? Seasonal effect, come on, some nerd here knows, Seasonal Affective Mood Disorder. So anyway, none of you know science, me either. Um, yeah, I'm really, really, really excited. A lot of cool things going on here, I got to meet a lot of new people, uh, just a lot of cool stuff happening here, and uh, man, some of you I may only get to talk to today, and some of you I see all the time, but either way, I'm really, really excited, so, uh, interesting, uh, did I tell you my name, did I do the name thing, see, Cory's scared, as as I don't think I did, Cory's yelled at me for saying it too many times, pretty much anything negative, Corey. I just attribute to you. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love him very much. He loves me, too, underneath the grumbling. But my name's Todd. I am the pastor here. Guys, it's, I actually have a letter to read to you guys, too. Are you good with that? <clears throat> hey, I miss you all so much. I know that we're all uh, together all the time, but I miss the time we have together, just you and I. I love those quiet moments where we just sit together, talk, and catch up on life. I know things have been tough lately, and sometimes it seems like everything that can go wrong will. I know you're hurting, Some of you even right now, and I know you have a hard time trusting that I still love you or even care about you at all. I know it's sometimes hard for you to understand why things happen, and it makes you wonder if I'm still here for you. I am. I'm still right here with you always. Don't forget that you are my child, my son, my daughter, and that comes with some pretty good benefits. I know you think that when you mess up that I won't ever forgive you, I will and already have. Remember when your brother Jesus, what your brother Jesus did. He already took the price, took the penalty. You're free. I will never hold your mistakes against you. I will forgive you always, every single time. My love for you is never ending, and I'm always compassionate towards you. Remember, I know your heart. I'm the one that made it. I know your insecurities. I know your worries. I know your hurts, and even those little quirks that you have. And no one could ever love anyone as much as I love you right now in this moment. Remember my heart when you doubt. Remember that I always take care of those that can't take care of themselves, that I promise to bring justice for the wrongs done against you in this world. When you think I'm mad at you, remember that it actually takes me a while to get angry, and I'm never angry with you. I love you, and my love is faithful no matter what. I promise. I've already taken care of the bill you owe of the punishment you think you deserve. I've already paid it for you. You want to know how much I love you and the rest of my kids? My love for you is as high as the stars are from the earth and beyond. Those mistakes you made, just imagine that I threw them so far away that neither of us can ever see them again. For real. Just imagine that. Just remember that I know you're trying. I know you're growing. I'm understanding and I know you haven't finished growing. I'm so excited for you to finally see what I see in you. And when life feels out of control, when it feels like things are spiraling and scary and chaotic, remember one thing. Remember that I am in control. That I got this, I promise. Remember I created the stars, the moon, and everything on this earth. I can handle it, and I promise that I do have a plan. And you're going to love how it ends. I love you, I'm proud of you, and I'll see you soon. Sincerely, God. (sighs) Clearly, God may not have written this letter, but he might as well have. Because it's in his word. Now I know, some of you are so jaded, right? Right? 21st century. You're jaded. But I want you to consider for a second that that letter was written to you from God. Because here's the thing. Everything in that letter is true. It comes from his own word. So, again, you know I'm going to pick on you Christians because I'm one of you. I can right? That's the rules. You've got to take those earmuffs off. You've got to put aside what you think you know that you stop believing. Sometimes we know things so long that we stop believing them. And I want you to consider for a second that what was said in there, that what God feels for you is even more beautiful. It's even more personal, intimate, because he knows, he knows things about you that I can't write. What would it be like? And I'm going to give you a, a, a powerful pause, a moment of silence, because I want you to consider for a second that that letter was written to you from God. Just play make-believe for me. How would it make you feel if God did, those, did write those words to you? Seriously, if you knew that God wrote that letter to you, what what would that change? How would would you feel today? How would it change how you feel? How would it change how you make what's important in your life? How would it change the way you view your trials, your insecurities, your mistakes? How would it make you feel about the questions that you have? The ones that you're afraid to actually ask because, what, God doesn't know them already? How did it change your prayer life? If God was that intimate, you, intimate with you that he writes letters to you, and so when you talk to him, that's the kind of relationship that you have. Would it change how you felt today? Would you be, would you be as anxious? Funny thing about anxiety, nobody admits it unless they choose to. Right? So if, what I'm saying is if I come to you and go, are you anxious? You'll always say No. Oh, well, I'm not anxious, <clears throat> especially you guys. I don't get anxious. Okay, angry. How's that? That's what we tend to do, right? Yeah. Would you be as sad? Would you be as nervous? Would you be as angry? Would you be as fearful? Because here's the truth. I wouldn't be. Would you care as much about what other people thought if the God of the universe just told you all that? Would you take things as personally when people don't love you well? What do I care? I'm loved by God. Sometimes in in Christianity, when we read the Bible, we read it like, we call it the Word of God, but we don't really believe that. We we read it more as a manual, right? The dummy's guide to living a good life, right? Dummy's guide to being a Christian. And that's sometimes a struggle with some of you in the room in your faith. Because you get frustrated because you're following the dummy's guide to life, right? But it's not actually the Word of God. And that's why you struggle to, to... internalize it, to believe it. Over the next couple weeks, I'm going to talk about how God views you. You. Especially if you've put your faith in Him. If you say, I'm a Christian, you need to remember who you are because if you don't know how God feels about you, then the rest of it's a moot point. Because then what it becomes is just an earning thing, right? You might as well go back to the Old Testament and start slaughtering some goats. But some of you in this room today don't know Jesus. That's Christian terms for me, and you're not a Christian. Did you know that God has feelings for you too? Did you know that God loves you? No, he doesn't love me because I'm not a Christian. That's wrong. He does love you. He loves you so much that he would go to the ends of the earth just for you to turn to him and come home. I want to talk about how God views you and even how he views those in the room, as I said, that don't fully call yourselves a Christian, that even when you don't believe in him, and that's both sides, Christians and non, sometimes you just don't believe in him, that even when you do not believe in him or you believe some version you've made up, right? We tend to like comfortable Jesus. That even when you don't, that he still believes in you. Oh, Todd, that's nice words. That's really cool. I, I listened to a guy that said that on an inspirational speech. The difference is, is that that's not my words. That's his. So I want to talk to you guys about, I know, I already had people, by the way. I just know how Christians are. I know how we are. There's some guy that's going to go through this, this video and go, God didn't write that. You heathen. You heathen. He, puts, he, he, just, he just put words in God's mouth. Y'all silly, get off the stream. Anyway, I'm going to take it, I'm going to read to you from Psalm 103, the whole psalm, because everything I wrote in the letter comes directly from this psalm. This is David writing, and a lot of times this psalm is called uh, uh, David's Song of God's Forgiveness, okay? Listen to this, you ready? It's not just words. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. How often do you do that? How often do you say, man, God, thank you just for who you are. Bless the Lord, all my soul. I love this. And forget not all his benefits. Ready? Forget. Don't forget everything you get by being his. Who forgives all your iniquity. What's another word for iniquity? Sin, your mistakes, the dirtiness you feel. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy. I love that. Steadfast, stable. You can't shake it. Nothing shakes it. You think you can shake it? You're not big enough. Who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Does that mean we don't age? No, it means even in old age we can be like young because we are so filled with joy. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all those who are oppressed. He made his ways, he made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding. There it is again, in steadfast love. Go back to that, guys, real quick. Verse 8. Do you believe that? That he's merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. It doesn't say he might be abounding in steadfast love, he might not. That's completely the opposite of steadfast, by the way gracious he will not always chide what's chide I feel like I'm in teacher like this Hannah chide right criticize right what's the other word what's that teacher word correct nag yeah there you go nor will he keep his anger forever he does not deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities he doesn't treat us the way we deserve For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. There it is again. If God says it more than once, we need to be reminded. Steadfast, steadfast. They can't shake it. Who's they? The people that tell you he doesn't love you or his love's contingent on something you do. You can't shake it, even when you act a fool, because you do. So do I. I love this. You guys know this. This is the famous one. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. That's a long way. As a father, parents, pay attention to this. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. Not fear him in the way you're thinking. I always have to say this. It doesn't mean you need to shake. and uh, It means in awe of. Those who follow him, who believe him. For he knows our frame. Oh, I love words. He knows what makes us. He remembers that we are dust. You know what I love about this? Let me put this in a different way. Guys, it'll hit your pride a little, but it's beautiful. He knows our weaknesses. He knows how weak you are. He knows that we're trapped in this flesh, right? That's, that's, that's Even though he's fixing us from the inside out, it's not going to be fixed to this side. He knows to the other side of heaven. He knows. Right? It's like I always say, we have a ton of babies in this church now, right? Whether it's Miles, and now he's getting older. I've got to pick a new one, right? Uh, or... Um, Whether it's Piper, we don't look at Piper when she's trying to carry, hey, Piper, go pick up that vacuum and move it. And then we, I can't believe you can't move a vacuum. Piper, why did you pee yourself? You're disgusting. We don't do that. Why? Because we know where they're at. We know their age. We know who they are. We know that she isn't done being who she's going to be. God does the same for us. you think he made a mistake? That he didn't know Your weaknesses when he when he picked you? That's beautiful to me. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over and it's gone, and its place knows no more. It's the opposite of man, right? There's a comparison. Even mankind's love, we'll get to that later. It's so contingent. Have you noticed that? We want, you know, we say that spouse's love is the one that we should look at, right? Parents, you say, no one can love, love, I get it. But, and we'll get to that in a second. That's probably the closest. But we say, isn't it funny that Jesus says, husband and wife, as a church, right? And Christ, that's what it looks like. But that's so contingent, isn't it? Because even, you, you still, you don't like her. You don't like him. Why? Because it's contingent on their behavior, That's just the weakness of what we are. He's never like that. Do you know that? Those days when you curse him out, those days when you scream, those days when you're mad at him, those days when you don't follow him, those days that you chew, that he he doesn't change his love. It's steady. He doesn't give you the cold shoulder. Shoulder? There's my southern shoulder. The shoulder, right? He He doesn't stonewall you. Guys, that's what we do a lot of times with women when they upset us. Women, you do it too, some of you. We shut down, right? He doesn't do that. Ever. But the steadfast love of the Lord, there it is again, is from everlasting to everlasting. Not only is it steadfast, it never ends. On those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. To those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. I love that. You mighty angels who, by the way, when, when God says jump, you say how high, right? That's my God. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers, who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works, and all the places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Man, we start with blessing him with him, and we bless him. In between, you see why we bless him, why we praise him. And I love that they throw in there a little bit of the power thing. Like, listen, you know, he don't have to love you. He could just say, get on your knees, and you do it, right? I get that part as a guy. Guys, you ever do that? You can understand just doing it because you're told. The love thing's a little bit more confusing sometimes. That God loves you. That if you were the only one on the earth, that the Bible would still be for you. I don't know, man. If you're anything like me, and I haven't even been a Christian as long as some of you. Some of you are way younger than been a Christian your whole life, and you've been a Christian longer than me. And I still forget. I still go, uh-huh, oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. Amen. But I don't slow down and let myself think, right? When you say that amen, that's what I love about when people say it from their heart. It's like... You're meaning it, right? You you hear it. You're you, you're letting it be known. It's true. I want to read to you some more verses because I've got a point. I don't want to, what am I saying? Hmm. Sincerely, God. What are we saying about God for you? I think He loves you. Those of you that don't know Jesus, pay attention. Those of you who do, pay attention. Romans five eight. Very simple verse. For God proves His own love for us in that while we were still sinners, He died for us. You know what's crazy? He didn't wait till you cleaned it up. Amen, right? Because I'm still not cleaned up yet enough. That he didn't wait till you even recognize him. That he died for you ahead of time. When you spat in his face, when we put him on the cross, when we crucified him, he died for you then. In your worst moments. In those things that shame you and haunt you, that stop you from going to sleep at night. He loved you then. He died for you then. That's why it's so important to understand your salvation isn't de- can't be dependent on your perfection. If you were perfect, he wouldn't have had to die. Those of you in the room that, aren't, that don't know Jesus, guess what? You, don't, you may get mad, you may say he's not real, it doesn't matter. He loves you enough that he died for you too. Even if you don't know it yet. John three sixteen and 17. You know, I love 17, probably more than 16. I'm just weird. I don't know. For God loved the world in this way, right? He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. That changes those things you don't like about Jesus, what he tells you to do and not do, when you understand that it's not motivated by condemnation, but it's motivated by love. Piper is a great example. I can say this because I'm close to her, even though she's going through a spell right now where she doesn't like me. (laughs) This happens. Uh, It comes back around. Lucy always gives me hope. And here's the thing. When... We tell, she's here a lot, right? When we say, no, you can't go up the stairs, this is a great example. This just happened, I think, last week or the week before. So we tell her, you can't go up the stairs. She screams, she's mad because in her mind, you are stopping me from doing what I want. I've got this. I'm mature enough. Guess what happened? She fell, bashed her head. Okay, that just happened two weeks ago. It's fine. She's safe. But here's the funny thing. Then on the way down the stairs, she falls again, right? Right? If she judged it just based on, if she judged her mother's love for her just based on what she didn't let her do without understanding the why, that is how big God is above us. When he tells you not to do things, I don't understand. Love is love. I should be able to do what I want. And if he really loved me, he'd please me. Who says that? Because I bet you don't raise your kids that way. God loves you so much that he wants to protect us from falling down the stairs until we're ready. God loved us, loved the world. By the way, that includes those in the room that don't know Jesus. That means you're not a Christian. How about that? He loves you. He sent Jesus for you too, even though you don't accept it, and some of you may never. How could a good God send people to hell? You mean how could a God give people what they want? That's what it is. All God says is it's either my will be done, Right? We say to God, thy will be done, or he says to us, thy will be done. As C.S. Lewis says, you don't want me, here's what eternity is without me. That's hell. It is torture. No one on this earth has experienced the complete absence of God. It doesn't matter if you don't believe in him. You've never experienced that. For God did not send his son into the world that he might condemn, but the world might be safe through him. Man, would you give up your only son? Some of you won't even give up your son to go to church, right? Some of you won't even let somebody tell your son no. Would you? Because he did. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. I love this verse. But God who is rich in mercy. Do you know that? We'll talk about that next week. Because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses, you are saved by grace. Uh-huh. Oh. There we go. Yeah, amen. You guys got to understand, everything God has ever done in the history of creation was motivated from love. Isn't that wild? That's why Christianity falls apart without his love. Nobody wants to follow a bunch of rules for no reason. Everything is motivated by his love. 1 John 3.1. Look at how great a love the Father has given us that we should be called God's children, and we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it didn't know him. God's called, be called God's children, and we are. I love that, because John's having to say to himself too, right? We are. Man. You know you're God's child? Listen, some of us don't have a good uh, picture of that. Some of us... You know, maybe our parents, we don't know what that's like. We haven't haven't experienced that. You don't have kids yet. Your parents weren't great to you. That's okay. Sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. So you don't know what that kind of childlike love, you know, is like. That love for your child. It's hard for us to understand that. But here's the thing. You've seen a good father. Everything you think a good father should and could be is who God is. That's how he feels about you. So using Miles, right, he's become a bit mischievous. I can say their names of the people I'm close to, right? When he blatantly ignores you, when he throws a toy at your head, right? All of those kinds of things. You don't, Tim doesn't grab him and spin him and throw him across the room. That I know of, right? (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't do that. He doesn't kick him in the head, right? He doesn't do those things. Why? Because that's his child. His anger is tempered by his love. And his love prompts him to mercy, which we'll get to next week. I'm trying to give you a hook here, trying to get you. I want to come back. No answer. All right. all right. Famous verse. I love this. Romans eight thirty five through thirty nine. This is Paul writing to the church in Rome. Who can separate us from the love of God? Stop. Some of you think that you can separate you from the love of God. You got a mighty big feeling of yourself, right? I do. There's times that I think that I have the ability to make God not love me, even when he's told me not. That's how arrogant I am. That I can outsin the cross. <sighs> can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, because of you we're being put to death all day long. We're being counted as sheep to be slaughtered. in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that... Not even death or life, angels or rulers, things present or things to come, hostile powers, hide or death, or any other created thing will have the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Yeah, nothing. Nothing. They didn't put the part in there that says, and Todd, but you can separate yourself from the love of God because you're super strong, right? Or you're super bad or whatever else it is. This week we're talking about love, but I do, in the the weeks to come, we're going to talk about the fact that love does not mean you do whatever you want. That's not love. Some of you got a strain. you know, (sighs) this is where I offend people. I do it. This is what I do. Some of you are spoiled because you've confused your desires with being loved. People love me when they give me whatever I want. You don't say it, but you do. Because you throw temper tantrums when you don't get it. Adults still temper tantrums, you know that? Temper tantrums, I can't even say the word. Did you know that they do? Oh, yeah, they do it all the time. All the time. Usually it doesn't look like kicking the ground and screaming, but it can, right? Usually it involves, "Mm, everything's fine. I hate you, but everything's fine, right? That's a girl. The guys do it too. Guys will go, guys, listen, I'm going to pick, we're worse. Hey, man, you cool? I'm cool, man. Ain't no no sweat off my back right? He cries when he goes home, right? (laughs) I know how you are. I don't care. I don't need friends. I wish I had a friend, right? We all do. (laughs) That's what we do. I'm not, you know that's what we do. That's how much God loves you. Love's one of those things in Christianity. If you've been around the rim for a while, you know I have what I like to call podium throwers. These are the things I like want to kick something so it makes you go, (gasps) oh, pay attention, because you all oh, like, act like I can't tell when you're falling asleep. I can. All right? I just ignore it, because it makes me cry. I, but that makes me want to chuck a podium across the room. Like, if, it, this would be a viral video, right? I just bust this thing to pieces, and everybody's like, what happened? I go, God loves you. All right? <laughs> because that's what you need. You need something to wake you up, because if you recognize and realize how much God loves you, you ain't going, who said amen? You're going, amen. Right? Because you understand what that does for your life. And when God loves you that much, it makes it that much easier to love other people. Isn't it funny? I'm going to get to that. I, I'm getting ahead of myself, but when a thought comes, I've got to go with it. Sometimes, <laughs> we have such a funny view of God's love. We say, yeah, I know God loves us, but not as much as I love my girlfriend. You know what I'm talking about. Right? We, we think that somehow, man, I, you know, I just, I get it. God, you love me. I just wish you kind of loved me the way that, you know, I love my boo. Right? You see that? That's cool language. I mean, not cool? Okay. A lot of, <laughs> right? This is my point, though. You th- we do think that. We assume that at its bare minimum, listen, this, this, this is a deep thought, so I'm going to try to put it in words so you get what I'm saying. We don't believe that God can love us as much as the best human on this earth loves us. So I want you to take a second, I want you to think of the one person who loves you. I'm serious. Some of you might go, no, okay, then I'll flip it. How you love someone else. Either way, someone loves you, you go, I know this person loves me. Bare minimum, bare minimum, God loves you that much, right? So if God even loved you that much, if God loved me as much as my mama loves me, all right? My mom loves me. I know that, right? She hurts my feelings sometimes, but my mom loves me. If if I knew in my heart God loved me as much as my mom, it would change my faith. But I don't live out of that, right? I'm not afraid to call my mom and ask for $5. She'll tell me no, right? But I'm not afraid to ask her for that because she's my mom. But sometimes I'm afraid to go to God and ask him for something because I'm afraid he'll answer it in a way I don't want or isn't good for me. That's like going to mom and say, hey, can I have $5? And she says, sure, you can have a bullet. (laughs) Right? That's the same logic. It's assuming that I'm going to ask something of God and he's going to give me something worse than the person who loves me on this earth the best. I told you this is deep. If you just let yourself believe that God loves you as much as the best human loves you or as the human that loves you best, it changes your life. I have moments of it. I love when I meet people that live in that. There are believers that live in it. They inspire me. They increase my faith. The testimony of their faith changes me. Some of you out there, I love watching you love God. And I love watching you let God love you. So, I got a list for you. I always do. Someone's like, this is all I've been waiting for. (laughs) You're asleep till the list comes. I'll break this podium. Anyway, what does it mean? What does it mean that God loves you, right? Todd, I know this. I went to Sunday school. Okay, I know you know, but let's do a refresher. Because I bet you if I followed you for a week with a hidden camera, beyond stalking you, I would also learn, I would learn that you don't always live out of this. So what does it mean if God loves you? Number one, that he wants good for you. Have you ever wondered how, are you, okay, this is, this is confession time. Sometimes I will, tell, I will say, I know God wants good for me, but I think his good is bad. I know, whoever said that's lot, someone said, that is completely illogical. That's true, I agree, but that's what I think, right? So I'm like, I know God wants good for me, but I'm afraid of it because his good is never what I want. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Does that make sense? But again, that's also illogical. God wants good for you. Do you know that? You don't have to beg him. You don't have to plead with him. You don't have to give him sacrifices. You don't have to live like, if I live two weeks perfect, God will give me the answer to my prayer. You know you live out of that sometimes. If I'm holy for two weeks, just two weeks, he'll give me my new boyfriend. Right? Whatever. If I do that, that's not how it works. He wants good for you all the time. What what would you do today if you walked out here today and said, man, God wants good for me? You notice how I'm walking with a little swag already? God wants good for me. That's the truth. Number two, there is nothing that's capitalized. That means it's important, Krista. There is nothing you can do to make him stop loving you. Well, Todd. Well, what if I, you know, reject him? And blah, 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 blah. if you've already put your faith in Christ, right? He said he won't let go of us even when we try to let go of him. That's love. There's nothing you can do to stop, to make him stop loving you. I think in the church today, I'm going to talk about this someday. I mean, either are going to write a blog, a book, or do a series on it. We idolize sin. Some of you worship sin. You pay more attention to, uh, you know, focusing on sin and managing it and making sure I can keep it in check than you do the almighty God. Because the truth is, if there's nothing I can do that makes me stop loving him, then I'm more willing to live radically and free. The example I can give you here is if I'm teaching a child to ride a bike, okay? And every time the child crashes, I scream at him until he's a failure. What's he going to eventually do? He's going to stop trying. He's going to become a fearful person because it's better to not try and not succeed than to try and fail and be told I'm a failure. But that's not how God sees it. God is the father that picks us back up, puts us on the bike, redirects the bike and says, I told you, don't go down the gravel part yet, right? That's a true story from my life. I'll tell you later. <laughs> and we try again and again and again. And every time, even if you don't have a picture of it, he is the, he is the patient father. Picks us up, dusts us off, and puts us back on. That is God. Nothing will ever make you stop him stop loving you. There are people that will tell you that. You know, and this is where I get pastors mad. Be, there's pastors out there like, Todd, you're, you, are, you are just treading dangerous ground. You're talking about once saved, always saved. Yep. Right? The bottom line is, you know, I can't lose something I never earned. It was a gift. And God's not a... <laughs> I was gonna say Indian giver, but I was like, I'm going to, and then I said it anyway. But to be fair, I'm Native American, so I can say that. True story. It's just a saying. And now we are banned on Facebook. <clears throat> Number three, I am actually Native American. That's a true story. He is for you. He is for you. That simple phrase, man. Have you ever had someone come and go? Hey, I'm I'm behind you. I'm with you. I'm for you. Yeah, I got your back. I've only had, I it, it felt like a few times in my life, but it makes me more willing to take chances, to live radical. And if you believe God is for you, that's why I said right when He said, "Nothing's going to separate you." I feel like I love Him. God brags a little bit, like, "Hey, just to let you know, angels, devils, powers, principalities, you, nothing, nothing can stop me. I'm going to love you regardless." That's nice, right? That's peace. He's for you. He wants your good. Number four, this is a big one, man. I already kind of explained to you. He is understanding your situation and your heart. Remember this? He knows our frame. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your heart. He knows that you're trying. See, some of you are trying, and you fail, and you beat yourself up, and you're the ones that need to be want because I'm saved. Oh, you, I worry about you. But some of you, you don't need to be reminded, right, of what you've done. You need to be reminded of what he's done. I went to a counselor one time, and this counselor specialized in uh, ministry leaders who have fallen. Isn't that such an ominous saying? That just means ministry leaders that sinned, right? And they go to him for that. So I went to this counselor seven years ago, and I'm standing there. He's like a nationally known guy. I didn't know that at the time. He's a big deal. So when I come in, he asked me what happened. I told him, you know, why I feel bad. And he just started hammering me. I'm crying. I'm sobbing. Snot's coming on my face. And he just stops and goes, wait, 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 wait. And you have to know this guy. You can't play this guy, right? He's done this nationally with manipulators of people. He goes, and this is God, man. This, he spoke to me as God. I really believe that. He said, you don't need, I, I was wrong. You don't need to be reminded of what you did so that you come to repentance. You need to be reminded that life's not over, right? That you still have a good heart because sometimes we, we're so afraid of that. I think a lot of good-hearted pastors are afraid and leaders and, and riders are afraid that you guys are going to use that and abuse it. But you're going to do that anyway. The Holy Spirit's what guides you. He is understanding your situation in your heart. Some of you in the room, listen to me. Yes, you have an addiction. Yes, you're struggling. Yes, you hide things. And yes, you keep telling God you're going to quit and you fall back into it. He still loves you. He's still putting you back on the bike. Don't give up. Don't give up. Number five. He believes in you. This kind of goes with he is for you. I like this. Have you ever had someone truly believe in you? Have you ever had someone? No? Okay. (laughs) Well, if you have, it makes a difference. It makes a difference. Um, Another personal story. I'll try to make it quick. See, Corey, I do this for you. Keep you engaged. Personal story. So, not bragging. I did play arena football. I wasn't, you know, Hall of Famer. I did lead my team in tackles. But anyway, I played arena football. And when I went to a tryout, okay, Um, I had a trial in Chicago. You had to be invited to it. I got scouted. I'm kind of excited, right? But despite what it may appear, and I talk to AJ about this a lot, people think I'm cocky. I'm really not. I have a lot of, like, I just have faith and confidence, but it doesn't mean I really believe in my heart I am what, you know, I live out of. So I show up, and I'm not joking you. The former starting running back at University of Michigan, okay, if you guys know, Florida Gators... Notre Dame, all the guys are like, yeah, uh, Walter Payton's son was there, played at Miami. This is a true story, okay? Uh, I've got a really funny story to tell about him. Ask me off camera. I'll tell you a funny story about Walter Payton's son. Anyway, so, he, so I'm sitting there, and I am at my position, guys. I'm a little pale. Get my drift. A lot of people don't play. I was a DB Anybody familiar with football knows this. I was a safety. You're probably like, Todd, you look a little chubby to be a safety. I was a lot lighter then. Okay? I played safety, free safety. And I, I, I'm going to this practice, and I, I go through all the drills. And then we have this part, you know, you do all the testing stuff. And then we have this part where it's like team scrimmage. Now, so much to teach you guys and tell you about this world that they're in. Because there's no pads, right? So it's not supposed to be tackle. <laughs> they don't follow that because they're trying to, make it, they're trying to show off and get signed. So I'm here, and I'm sitting in the back, and guys are screaming stuff, and I haven't played yet. This is my first year. I haven't played. I've been signed to a team. I'm at this tryout, 200 people there. I get up on the, on, the, uh, on the field. It's my time. Refs are flying, and this guy comes up to me. I still remember his name, Coach D. Rob Dennison Robinson. Shout out Coach D. Robb. Anyway, he came up to me and looks at me, and he's telling everybody what to do, and he's like, hey, you need to do this, exactly do this, and he comes up to me, puts his hand on my shoulders, and he goes, hey, I just want you to make a play. Because I know you can. That's all he told me. He went away, and I'm not just saying this to make a good story. I picked the ball first play, and then the running back from Michigan tried to kill me, legitimately tried to kill me. Like, I ran out of bounds. I'm not going to lie. Uh, and he still chased me. Uh, but my point is, in that moment, he believed in me, which took the pressure off and allowed me to just be me. It's the same for you guys. God is just sitting there. If you don't like sports, you know, hey, you just be you. I know who you are. I got you. Follow me. Do what you're supposed to do make place, right? God believes in you. Number six, he loves you enough to know what's best for you, not just what you want. Your faith will be a constant cycle of chasing thing after thing after thing, looking for an emotional high that will only last for a short time if you don't understand that God wants what's best for you, not what you want. Got to accept it. That sounds harsh until you realize there's true freedom in that. You don't have to guess. You don't have to interpret. Listen to me. You don't have to look for the secret meaning behind the verse that says, love others as you love yourself. Just do it. Right? It doesn't matter the ones that say go to church. I've been picking on a lot of people for that later. Whatever else it is, you don't have to debate it. Go to church. Go love people. Um, Spread the good news of the gospel. Uh, Forgive. All of those beautiful things. Just do it. Because he knows what's best for you, not just what you want. And I already gave you a story about Piper up the stairs, right? What's best for her was not going up the stairs. Now, did she learn anything? No, she still does it. Much like us. Number seven. Isaac's like, wait, I didn't hear about this. She's fine. Uh, Number seven, he will never, all caps again, Krista, means it's important. He will never give up on you, even if you try to give up on yourself. Men. Men, if you're a man, listen to me. I'm a guy, so I'm biased. But beyond preaching the gospel, the thing I'm most passionate about in this world is getting you to understand that you should never give up on yourself. You live in a world that tells you that you're a failure, that tells you that you're not good enough, that tells you you're dumb, that tells you, you better find a good woman because you can't take care of yourself. The bottom line is this. Women, I know you feel this way too, but I just feel led to say this. Men, stop giving up on yourself. Stop limiting yourself. Stop letting the world tell you what's possible. If God calls you to something, put something in your heart, right, and it's not contrary to his will, which, by the way, he would never do. Follow it. Be a king, right? Those of you that have been around a long time know what I mean by that. Be a king. Lead. Love. Be radical and bold. Make an impact. Walk into a room, and when you walk out, let the world know you were there. God will never give up on you. And even when you give up on yourself, he's still right there saying, get back up. Get back up. Your story is not over. The Bible is filled with people who God used after huge mistakes, who used after years of rebellion. Moses wasn't a young buck when he actually led people out of Egypt. That's the facts. He ran. God never gave up on him and saw in him what he didn't see in himself, right? I'm just a stutterer. I can't talk. God says, you are a leader. Whatever you are, and ladies, it goes for you too. Don't give up on yourself because he never gives up on you. She's going to come play some music. I'm trying to wrap up quick enough to make Corey give me a hug. And then you actually believe, why did I read conclusion? What if you actually believed that God loved you? What if you actually believed that? I'm going to end where I started. Listen, what if you actually believe God loved you? Man. Sometimes I sit in my car when I'm like beating myself up. That's that's the place, that in the bathroom, right? That's where I get like I'm spitting everywhere. I get the most thinking done, and I sit and I go, God, it doesn't matter how I feel. What if I actually believed this? Man, it changes my moment. I lose it so quick, though, right? What if you believed he loved you? Not just said it because you're supposed to, but actually let yourself believe that the God of the universe, the creator, loves you and could love you no more than he does right now. He could love you no more and he could love you no less than this exact moment. Think of a person, I already told you, who's loved you best in this life. Go ahead, bring him to your mind. person that loves you best. we have got One. God loves you at least that much. If that's the only place you can start, then let yourself start there. Even that will change your life. Would it change your faith? Does it make this seem different? Does it make it seem less scary and more of like, this is incredible. Let yourself understand that the minimum of God's love, the truth is the minimum of God's love, that, that, that you believing someone that God loves you just like that person, that's the minimum. And that God's love for you in truth far surpasses that. I'm limited by human language to tell you how much. Maybe for some of you because you're that type of person, I want you to think of how much you love someone, the person you love most in this entire universe. God loves you and that person more than that. What would you do? It's hard to let ourselves grasp that because we don't see that kind of love on this earth. Love is so conditional. The beauty of marriage is when we're conditional with it, we hopefully come back, right? That's what we're supposed to do, right? I'm sorry. But it shows even the limitations of human love that we even get there, that we doubt, that we let actions make us doubt the other person's heart. God never does that. God loves you all the time because he knows your heart. He never doubts it. He gave it to you. In Christ, he will never let you go. He will never stop loving you. He'll never stop believing in you. What if God loves you right now and can never love you any more than he does at this moment? It's not just a what if, guys. It's the truth. That's not my words. That's God's words. I just gave you a hundred. There's a hundred more verses that say the same thing. It's not just a what if, it's a truth. You are so dearly loved. That's what motivates me to preach the gospel. Because I think people are transformed by God's love. Fear may bring them to the cross, but it's love that transforms them. I'm telling you. those of you in the room that don't know Jesus, and and, and the thing is, I've been there because, and I know even the most hard-hearted person, he's there, isn't he? He's talking to you right now, and you don't like that. It's uncomfortable. You know why he's still bugging you? Because he loves you. If you love someone, even if they didn't love you back, would you go to the ends of the earth for them? Would you save them from themselves? Would you chase them to a cliff? Would you take a bullet from them? What would you do for someone you love, even if they didn't love you? That's what God will do for you. How, why? Why run from a God that loves you that much? Because you'd rather do what you want than what's best for you? The gospel's simple. God created us all, made us be in relationship with us, said here's the rules I'll tell you what right and wrong is, that's it we rejected that just like we do today, every time, some of you in this room are Christians, you need to accept the gravity of it, when you say it doesn't matter what the Bible says, it's what I want, when you put yourself above God you are literally doing what Adam and Eve did bottom line, it doesn't matter how much you don't like Todd. It doesn't matter how mean he is and grumpy, blah, 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 blah. It's about you and your pride. And thank God for his grace that even in the midst of our childish temper tantrums, takes a hold of us and brings us home and continues to teach us. Don't abuse his grace. That's for the ones. Because there are people in this room today that need that grace. we rejected him sin entered the world it's a disease you got it they're not going to pick it up on a blood test but you got it it's all those bad qualities those things inside of you hate that you can't fix that is sin it's both a nature means it's inside of you it's the disease and it's the symptoms all the stuff that comes out of it including depression including sadness including suicidal thoughts including all of those things it's all the root is sin not your actions, but what's inside of you. Yes, medication's real, but that's the root of it all. Don't you get Like, the fact is, is that disease, all of these things are because we walked away from him. Thousands of years of human existence tell us what that's like without him. That's why we have all this. And so God, when we couldn't save ourselves, came down, sent his son, Jesus Christ, God made man, told us how to live, told us the truth, and then enabled us to live in that truth. Because every time you are snot, Christians in the room, every time you reject him, it was another thing that put him on that cross. Same for me. And so here's the beauty of that for those in the room that don't know him. If that's true, if I can say to you that I'm still not perfect today, but I know I am loved by a good God and that my eternity is secure, you can know that too. Because I'm not just talking when I say I'm one of the worst people. God save me I promise you he can save you so on the cross he died and on the third day he was raised from the dead that's illogical it's the truth so here's the deal how do you have that life how do you have that security how do you have God's love and live in it all the time the Bible makes it very clear guess what you don't have to clean your addictions first you don't have to fix all the broken parts first you have to do this Romans 10 tells us confess with your lips and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and was raised from the dead and you will be saved that's it yeah, you got to turn from your stuff. you got to say, God, I've been living my way, and I don't know what it looks like to live yours, but I want it. You say it because if you're not willing to say it, you probably don't mean it. You see why he says that? So here's the deal. There's going to be people up here willing to pray with you. You don't need them to, but there's something powerful about that. If you're in the room and you're struggling to accept God's love, if you're struggling with uh, you know, an addiction, if something's going on that you've been t- carrying inside that you just, it's killing you and eating at you, you can take this time to pray. During this altar time, this this is the altar. God is here. The Bible says that. They're here to pray for you, pray at your seat, whatever you want to do. Respond to God in whatever ways he's calling you to respond because don't leave here the same way as you came in because if you do, you are choosing to.